Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Tomorrow Will Be Great. I'm Julia. And I'm Elise. And today we're going to be talking all about photography. We had a couple requests actually over the past couple of weeks when we asked people what they'd be interested in hearing about. And a few people said they'd love to hear about photography and how we approach that with the shop. So we thought, oh, that could be fun to talk about. So if you follow us online, you'll probably see that Imagery is really important to us, whether we're taking a picture of a shop or taking a picture of our models or things out in the world that we really enjoy that aspect of creativity at the shop. We just thought we'd talk a little bit about our backgrounds with photography. Elise, do you want to give it a go first? Sure. So my like life mission with photography started at a very young age. <laughs> um, I got my first camera when I was in about second grade, and I was obsessed with photography all through elementary school because I was a nerd. And then I kind of dropped off and forgot and then picked it up again in high school because I had a friend who had a camera and I'd always steal his camera to take pictures. And from there, I regained my love of photography, mostly through my senior year of high school. And then I applied to art school to major in photography and textiles. So I double majored. And so I have a degree in photography. I have a BFA in photography. Technically, I'm a formally trained photographer who has a degree that says photographer on it. And it's a huge part of my family. My dad's a big photo nerd and has always been. So I have a lot of his old equipment and a lot of his old textbooks and stuff. So it's just something that's always been a part of my life, even when I kind of ignored it through middle school and most of high school. But I typically, personally, for my own personal practice, tend to do more still lives and stuff. I've kind of been on hiatus, but that's where my specialty lies in naturally lit still lives. And that is my short history of photography. Ooh, that was very great. Excellent. Well, (laughs) it was nice to hear that. I have a shorter history of photography. It's kind of funny. I didn't do any photography in high school, really. I more did just standard visual arts a little bit. And then I did go to art school, but I did painting mainly, icon painting with egg tempera and gold leaf and just some other random things, mainly like art history and stuff. And I refused all throughout college to take either a photography class or take a graphic design class, which my parents kept telling me, those are the things you can actually get real jobs with after school. Yet I still refused to take them, which is kind of stupid (laughs) in retrospect. So when I got out of college and I kind of started figuring out what I wanted to do, I I forget what the first camera I had was. It might have been, is it a Canon PowerShot? I don't remember. It wasn't mm-hmm. like a, that I don't familiar. It's just like a small camera. I, and it was like the first one they ever made. And I inherited that from somebody. And then I started using that. And then when I felt like that wasn't really cutting it anymore, then I switched to, see, I can't even remember. It was like a middle one. It was like an amateur camera. What was it? T- T1i, I think. Oh. Does that sound neat. right? That was like the first yes. generation of whatever that That's was. That's the fun thing about cameras. They all have really stupid names. Yeah. And yeah. then they all sound the same. Yeah. So and it was a Canon yeah. T1i. And then I had that for like five years. And then I started kind of shooting more styled photography for the online store. And th- again, this is, we're talking about a period span of almost 12 years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I started shooting with my friend and she had a Canon 6D and then she, she started taking a lot of our photos and then I kind of watched and really learned from her, even though I had been shooting everything for the shop for a long time. And I really learned a lot. Thank you, Kara, for teaching me things. Then, so after she moved away, I ended up buying the same camera. So that's what I shoot on now is a Canon 60. And that's what we use here at the shop. That was me going through 
everything really, which was, I really didn't want to do photography. I kind of thought at the time I thought it was like too easy and painting was the real thing. Like it wasn't. Oh yeah. I've had that conversation many, many times. (laughs) Like I'm just like, but you just click and then your art project's over Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's so quick Um, versus a painting, which would take me like weeks. So it's funny how I've kind of come full circle. Art school. You can really get you, man. Yeah. So (laughs) I have no formal training. Everything I've learned by just kind of playing with the camera that's it yeah and now these days you have a phone there's usually a camera on it and the cameras are getting nicer and nicer so so good they're way better than they used to be even if you can't afford to get a camera but you have a phone you can always play around with your phone and there's a lot of phone editing software these days like whether you have lightroom on your phone or another editing app Mm -hmm. it can help a lot with that visco visco oh is that still around i don't know but i remember (laughs) I think it was in like high school where the Visco app, you could edit your yeah. highlights, lowlights. It's like a free Lightroom for your phone or it was. Yeah, I remember that. I remember it mainly being like filters. And if anyone doesn't know what we're mm-hmm. talking about, a filter is like a, a pre-made, like let's say you took a photo on, I don't know, a really bright day. And then you're like, hmm, I want this to be a little more moody. You mm-hmm. will take your filter and apply that to that photo. And it will add, I don't know, some depth of shadows and like maybe, I don't know, clarity there's all these different things you can add and we alternate at the shop between Mm -hmm. using Lightroom and Photoshop and both have I think their pros and cons depending on what your overall end goal is so you can get Adobe programs now it's different than it used to be where you would have to buy the whole program now it's like a subscription service like so many things are and I think I have a subscription service and it's somewhere but is it like ten dollars a month for like Mine's the basic ten dollars yeah for photoshop and lightroom yeah that's what um, I have too yeah I think my my sister who does a lot of graphic design stuff she has a more extensive suite that has like lightroom photoshop illustrator and design but it's depending on what you need it's pretty simple to be able to like bop around and choose what you have the need for. Yeah. Um, I and do that- wish that you could just like downgrade it. Cause I personally, as we'll probably get into, I, I do not like Lightroom at all. And so I, I literally only use Photoshop. So I just have this Lightroom program that keeps updating on my computer and taking up space. <laughs> I just wish I could pay like $5 a month instead of $10 a month and just have <laughs> Photoshop. But I don't think that's an option. Maybe I'll write them an email. Yeah, I don't think so. Adobe. It's funny. I think they both have their pluses and minuses. Like if you're batch editing just a ton of web web images, they all have the same lighting. Mm -hmm. They all, you all want them to look the same. I think Lightroom is potentially better for that in terms of efficiency. Photoshop, you can't really batch edit multiples. Is that right, Elise? Not really, as far as I know. I mean, there there probably is a way because there's a way to do everything on every Adobe program. It's just finding it. Um, Yeah. But I I don't know how to. Yeah, (laughs) because I used to do Photoshop for everything. And then my friend Mary was like, what? You're using Photoshop for every single picture you put on your website? What are you thinking? You need to use Lightroom. And Lightroom is like, I don't want to say it's it's definitely an easier program, but it's also annoying because I don't know if what annoys you, Elise, is the same as what annoys me is it, it takes up a lot of room on your hard drive and it's remembering all these pictures constantly and it yeah. takes forever to load. Is that a reason you also don't like that or... Well, it's because it, it it's remembering a shadow of your image. So exactly. if you move the file to a different folder, Lightroom loses it and exactly. it to find it again. I know. And so I before I had Lightroom, I went to a schmancy high school and they had Photoshop on the computers. So I just made up my own workflow 
in high school. And so it did not involve Lightroom at all. So I have this like whole method. But I also want to clarify, I like Photoshop because I shoot in RAW, which is a whole other thing that I'm not sure that we really need to get into. It's just a very large file size. So there's a program in Photoshop called Camera Raw, which you can edit these in, which does edit a little bit more like the basics of Lightroom, but you're in Photoshop. So just like a really quick little clarification because it would take forever to edit in Photoshop if you were just editing straight through Photoshop. That's like why I think I like Photoshop is because I have been doing it. When was I? When I started? Like six, seven, eight, eight years? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> like six, six to eight years I've been using it. And so I have like the workflow down. In college, there was a big emphasis of figuring out how to streamline your workflow so that you can do it. I also like being able to sort things how I like to sort them. And so I find that Lightroom tries to likes to be very linear. And so yeah, I mean, that's that. kind of like a Mac <laughs> problem in general. It likes yeah. to put things where it wants to put them yes. without really telling you. And it's kind of like the same thing. You were like, if you move your photo... Like, mm-hmm. like, I forgot that it existed it. and yeah. it gets cranky Yeah. versus Photoshop like, kind of lets you yeah. organize where everything is. And then there's Bridge. I used to use Bridge for organizing stuff, but I, I realize I don't. Technically, we also have Bridge in our subscriptions. Oh, okay. If, if you're looking at it. Yeah, Bridge yeah. is like a giant photo organizer and I used to use it more when I was just doing Photoshop, but now I'm doing Lightroom. Honestly, I have photos everywhere on so many computers. <laughs> it's a big mess. So I guess if you are going to be doing web style like web style photos definitely keeping them somewhere where you can find them again is a big important thing and photographers take their organization very seriously like we had tests in college about organizing and maintaining and finding your files because i mean like the worst thing you can do is shoot an entire photo shoot and then put it somewhere and then you can't find it again Because your I photos love are that called that was like, a test. Oh yeah. That was like in like the basic like intro classes. It was because like all you want because the images are called like IMG underscore zero two one three four whatever. And so you're never gonna be able to find it if you just put it somewhere random. Like you have to have some way of locating it. So making sure that you keep an organized however it makes sense to you system. Yeah. I organize them by date. Important. So each has a folder for the date and then that inside of that is all the photos. But if I've ever taken a trip or anything, or most of the photos are when I've traveled, I'll usually also include that somewhere there. Yeah. I sort mine personally by the name of what the photo shoot is, which I can see how in a larger scale, (laughs) it would be very complicated. It probably helps to have, well, you're supposed to have your date, your initials, and then whatever else. But I'll call it like yellow flower photo shoot or whatever. And I'll remember, like I remember what were in folders from eons ago. And so it's just whatever works best for you, I would say is a big part of photography. Even if you shoot weird, if it works for you, do it. (laughs) I mean, I feel like we learned that in school too, is that you can learn how to do everything perfectly. But as soon as you learn that, it's you can break the rules however you want. Or you can just break the rules from the get-go like I did and just not know what you're doing. (laughs) Yeah, but But then that makes it a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah. But then like going back in school and learning how to do it correctly, you're like, wow, I could take out six steps if I just started doing it right. So I think I would suggest like hitting up YouTube and stuff if you're trying to learn because there are so many resources on YouTube. I know something you mentioned. I know something you mentioned a few seconds ago, which might be good to just explain to people is the different image sizes and the ways and the settings you can shoot in because Elise mentioned shooting in RAW versus shooting other ways. And I would love to shoot in RAW, but for practicality purposes and the sheer amount of photos that we take, 
I don't mm-hmm. shoot in RAW most of the time unless it's going to be like, this is an image I'm going to print or going to use in another way that's just not online. But I don't know if yeah. you want to talk that, the different settings yeah. for that. Everyone knows what a JPEG is, hopefully. So that is going to be your typical file. You should shoot the biggest JPEG size available. It is generally size small, medium, large. And then there's like this weird little mountain step and then a curve. You want to use a smooth curve JPEG if you're going to shoot like that. Though I would suggest that if you're not sure what you're going to end up doing, you can always shoot, at least most cameras, most advanced DSLRs, which are a digital single lens reflex camera. Uh, so you can choose a setting. So you can choose like JPEG or RAW. And then you can also choose JPEG and RAW so that when you shoot a picture, it'll take two pictures. Well, it won't take two pictures. It'll be the same picture, but it'll be in two different file types. So then for like Julia, if you're like, oh, we're just going to shoot these for the web and there's nothing that I'm like really loving. You can just delete all the raw files or whatever and be like, it's not worth saving them because they take up a lot of room. But it's a good way if you're just trying to speed at it and you're like, well, maybe one of these pictures will be our new postcard or a poster or whatever. And you want to be able to make sure you have a file big enough and editable enough that you can then use it. That's a way to do it. I just always shoot raw. But again, if Julia also really likes to shoot a lot of pictures, (laughs) which is not a problem. It's good to have options. But sometimes there's too many options. And also, depending on your camera, so generally the nicer the camera, the bigger the files, you might end up shooting eight whole gigabytes of photos, which if you don't know much about it, it doesn't, I don't, it probably sounds like nothing, but it's a, it's a lot. Like a normal hard drive probably has a thousand gigabytes. And if every time you shoot, you're chewing like eight to 10 gigabytes, you're just going to run out of room so fast. And you're just going to have to keep buying hard drives and then sorting them and remembering what's on what. And your computer is really going to complicated. Get you. Well, you're not supposed to store any of your photos on your computer. <laughs> you're just supposed to use your computer to siphon the photos through, which I think is another thing that I don't like about Lightroom is that it kind of forces you to save things in multiple locations and it has those phantom files. So you have like the JPEG, the RAW, and your files will be called different things depending on what you're shooting with. Yeah, it just gets a little bit confusing, but I guess the point is to know what camera you have and know your settings and choose them intentionally. Don't just take what your camera chooses automatically and take it for granted because it might be shooting like the smallest size JPEG and then you come up and you have these stupid tiny photos that look bad on a phone screen and then you can't do anything about it. A RAW file is huge. It tends to be about four times bigger than a JPEG file, but with the four times more information, you have four times more editability. So basically what a JPEG is, is it picks out what it thinks is the most important information and then deletes the extraneous stuff. And sometimes it might be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, normally it's like for raw files, you have a lot more um, ability to go into the darks and the lights of the photo because your JPEG might be like, oh, this looks like it's just a white blob here. Delete out all information in the white blob and leave it white. But your raw file might secretly have information stored in there. Yeah. Like, I think a good example for that maybe is a piece of velvet and velvet is like mm -hmm. a really big light eater. And if you just take a picture of navy velvet, Unless you have light hitting it really well, you might not get the visibility of that texture well. But if you have a raw picture, you can go back in and play with that more versus it being a big blob. Just touching on camera brands, uh, they're basically all equal. I mean, Canon, Nikon, it kind of just starts out with whatever you start out with. And then whatever lenses you start buying just kind of ends up being what you end up with generally because lenses are very expensive. Sony's doing really cool things with mirrorless cameras, which is super complicated But basically, they're small and they're fast and they're really light and they're very good quality. And so that's probably the future of photography. And I believe that Nikon and Canon Canon are dipping their toes into those as well. But right now, I think that the DSLR is going to be the prevailing 
tool that most people use, B&H, which we can tag in our show notes. Is um, that the place in New York? Yeah, and they're amazing. They have everything. They know everything. I've actually never been in the store. I've walked by it a million times because it's on the way to the Megabus. Yeah, Jesse used to go in there to get electronic stuff. They have literally everything you could possibly want. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the borderline is nice photo equipment is really expensive. Like I need to buy a new battery for my camera. And I think the battery is about $60. And that just, that's for a battery which kind of hurts. I know I bought a second battery at one point because I had had like a off-brand battery and that wasn't working well. I tried the off-brands. It it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. I got two for $20 off-brand and I think they lasted for about a month and now they hold a charge for approximately 10 minutes. It does matter. Generally buy things that are on brand. It's going a little bit down a rabbit hole, but basically do lots of research. Definitely talk to people, go on YouTube. If you're looking for camera equipment, it's a hugely amazing resource that is up to date. People will be constantly doing updating videos when new equipment comes out. I just think that you can do a lot with a little. Like my my shooting rig was just a camera and one lens. I had a 50 millimeter 1.4 lens and I had that. That's all I shot with for six years. But again, I was shooting mostly still lives. So having a one lens is kind of not a big deal. I mean, I guess I shot some portraiture then too, but it's just doing research to figure out what you need because I did so much research to figure out if I needed a zoom lens or a prime lens. And the zoom lens, self-explanatory, it zooms. Prime lenses don't zoom, which I used to think was really stupid, but it's actually really amazing because the quality of the lenses can be really, really, really good because they it don't sounds have to like a about f- zooming. It, sounds, it reminds me of a fixie bike where it's like you don't have gears <laughs> yeah. to shift. It's like, I've heard people really like those. I don't know why yeah. Reminds me of that. And I'm like, but why one setting? I thought, yeah, I thought it was really, really stupid. Um, in high school, I used to make fun of my friend who's also a very talented photographer, but I used to make fun of him for having a prime lens. I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And then of course, like the first thing I do when I graduate high school and buy myself a nice camera and lens is I buy a prime lens because the quality is basically unbeatable of the images and you just have so much more wiggle room with like your aperture and stuff so just seeing what you're shooting and what matters because you're doing like travel photography you probably don't want a prime lens knowing what you're doing I know I've been thinking about getting another lens because I'd love to be able to get better shots when I travel of things that are a bit further away or the perspective is really like when the streets were on or just so small and narrow to be able to Mm get a better person at places like bnh and adorama i'll write them down too adorama you can also rent lenses and cameras and stuff which is another good way if you're thinking of investing in a very expensive piece of equipment trying to rent the camera lens or whatever first is a really good way of doing it so before spending a thousand dollars want it yeah because returning it's gonna be a pain in the butt and if you buy it used you might not be able to return it and blah 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 and depreciation so It's just, there's a lot of ways to figure out how you know what's going to be the best. Basically, your best bet is to live in New York because that's where all these stores are. And so Um, just setting aside a time to do things like that is very important. There's also Um, a gazillion settings on your camera and I don't mm want to delve too much into that. But if you're starting out, you can always do the automatic setting if you want to. And then as you go forward, you can try to... (laughs) <laughs> but don't do that because it's like you're going to not get what you want. I'm just saying like yeah. to start with, you can do that. Yeah. And then you can play with the manual settings as you go more and more, which well, is what be- we do. Yeah. I mean, it's more like using aperture priority, which means how your depth of field. So how much you want in focus. So there's something called aperture priority, which is that. Or you want shutter priority, 
I haven't used those in a really long time, but it basically chooses how fast you want it to shoot. A normal average person can hold still for 1 60th of a second. And so that's generally the lowest if you're shooting a person you want to shoot. And so then the camera will make up the rest of the settings to try and get you a well-exposed picture. The exposure is how bright or how dark it is. Yeah. Yeah, so those are kind cameras, of the main things. If you want to get down to the real deal, you'll just shoot manual. So there's no shame in shooting with priorities. It's a lot faster. Yeah, especially um, when you have a moving target, which is like, I guess, mm-hmm. the more frustrating thing about shooting moving people versus yeah. a still life. Like the sun going behind a cloud, and then all of a sudden everything gets dark, and you're still shooting, and then you have all these photos that are painfully dark. So it's just things or like vice that. versa. So there's just a lot to be aware of when you're shooting. And since we live in the wonderful age of digital, you have instant feedback on the back of your camera. So I think it's really important to keep up to date on checking those. And you might just want to get carried away and just keep clicking, clicking, clicking. But always taking but then all a couple of a sudden, seconds it will to be check. Really blown out. Yeah. yeah. So you want to just like, keep an eye on things so that you don't shoot everything and have nothing that's usable at all, which would yeah. stink and has happened. That's oh, it nice. happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. So that's kind of like about cameras specifically, like just the nitty gritty of the camera. And then maybe it would be good to talk about photography as part of a brand identity. Maybe I think people were interested in hearing about yeah. and maybe also a little bit of styling in relation to that as well but you can't really do either of those two things without learning how to use your camera first so definitely look up and look at some of the links that we'll put in the show notes and yeah look up some of the stuff we talked about there's so much to learn about photography it's kind of insane and so many programs you can use while working with the cameras and things like Mm -hmm. that and there's still so much more I'd love to sit down and learn like I mean now would be a really great time for me to probably learn how to experiment with settings on my camera except that um my little I don't know one of the dials the indicators that tell me what setting I'm on that has popped (laughs) off and it kept popping off and putting back on and I think I finally lost it so now I'm like okay well I I mean I know I I think I could tell where I am by what options I have, but photography and your brand. I'm going to say the first thing outside before you start thinking about your brand is lighting is so important. Mm -hmm. I think above anything else. And that is related to what we just talked about and also building your brand because getting good light on whatever you're trying to shoot will make your product, your your art project, whatever it is, just be a lot more vivid. And if that can be natural light, obviously that's the best you can get. Mm-hmm. And then if mm-hmm. oh you just you want studio light? I just no, I just wouldn't say it's the best. It's probably the most accessible and cheapest option. Yeah. You mean versus but, getting the light, I mean like a studio lighting setup or Yeah, I mean just because like I mean this is kind of a far off thing but some people are complete masters using studio lights and I personally prefer shooting with natural light it's just there's a lot of limitations on natural light you mean when you can shoot like yeah a shoot can be canceled yeah like Christie's scheduled and then it's like dark and rainy like it'd be very useful if we had studio lighting that we could set up that would emulate natural light if you're really good at it you don't notice the difference Hmm. I do prefer natural light. I'm not saying not saying I'm not, but I'm also not going to poo-poo studio lights, especially if you use them well. If you use them poorly, I will poo-poo them all day long. <laughs> but if you know what you're doing and you work hard at it, you can take really beautiful photos with them. And it doesn't always have to be, it could also be working on how you bounce back your light and how you fill your light. It doesn't have to be artificial light. It's just yeah. also like bending your light and working with what you have. I know. And one thing we keep meaning to get, there's always a lot of things we mean to get. And would be 
one of the reflectors because that could bounce it back on the other side of the person or the object that the light's not hitting and we could do that better so if you ever see people walking around the street and someone has this like alien looking metallic disc and they're like (laughs) like shining it on people that's what that is yeah so they're really fun yeah yeah um the other thing we've elise has talked about doing because i don't know it depends like the look of your photo going to, going for, but sometimes like bright, like summery bright light with the window panes and it's shining in here at the store. That can be like a nice mood, but at the same time, it's not always the best for color accuracy and that can be really frustrating. Diffuse light is really great in that way. And we usually get diffuse light, I would say between 10 a.m. and one o'clock usually throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then around three o'clock we get our sunbeams and it can be fun and and annoying at the same time yeah I feel like three to four it's fun and then like four on it just is so harsh and it's so annoying yeah and that it, it makes it basically impossible so things like a diffuser which can be anything it can be a sheet like a white sheet that you hold up it makes things look magical and glossy and I've taken some beautiful portraits using a diffuser just to diffuse the natural light so that you don't have harsh shadows so that like your eyeballs you can see the eyes and you can see all your features and they, it just looks magical. I think photography is magical personally. And again, I like natural light. I'm not, <laughs> not hating on it. It just is a lot more complicated in ways I would say. Uh, yeah. But, and I'm trying to, I wish I did more outside photography with models and things. I should, yeah. But I just never have enough time. And who knows when we'll be back in that game with being able to do fun photo shoots outside or anything like that. And usually if we are doing it, we'll like run outside for like 10 seconds, then run back in. Yeah. Because, you know, you don't have all day. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then there's a street. You don't want to get hit. Yeah. Don't want to get hit by a car. Yeah. So that's kind of how we approach it at the shop. Um, The other thing to think about is prop styling and a lot of brands or stores will hire a stylist to help with the photography. So the, the photographer will be doing all the shooting, kind of picking what frames to get, but the stylist will be laying out what the person's wearing, buttoning buttons, unbuttoning buttons, throwing a coat over somebody, tying a belt. And a lot of people don't have stylists and just do everything themselves. Like we do everything ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's really helpful to just kind of learn to do everything yourself. Not that having a photographer and a stylist aren't things that you shouldn't be willing to pay for, but it can get really expensive really quickly when you're a small business. And so learning to do all of these things yourself is super helpful. Um, And then maybe later you can, because I think out of everything, it's really important to like, if you do need to hire it out, like obviously you need the photographer, Um, Mm -hmm. you need to pay the photographer, you need to pay your model. But I think learning to do the styling yourself is probably like the best place to save money in that. I don't know though. What do you think, Elise? I mean, I guess I would say if you're doing like an everyday web shoot, it's probably not worth it. But maybe if you want to do a campaign shoot that you're going to use on all of your, the new fun word I like is collateral, like all your flyers and postcards and emails and whatever. Maybe you do want to like go all out and have like hair and makeup and styling and a professional photographer. And I think that's totally fine. Like if you want to do it, it's just, if you do it for every single shoot, it's going to get way a lot because I mean, at this point we're shooting the web shop about every other week. And so if you have to pay all these different kinds of people every other week, 
Um, it'll definitely eat into your margins really fast. But again, if you want to do like a big campaign shoot or whatever, especially if you like you are the designer or you are like the jewelry maker or whatever, totally fine. I support it. Go for it. Support your small local artisanal economy. Yeah, I think that knowing the basics of like how to put on a shirt with a skirt and have it look nice or like how to steam things appropriately, I think it's really valuable. Skill. Oh yeah, can we please talk about steaming? Because please it, steam well, clothes. <laughs> everybody, please steam your clothes when they get out of the box. Because the, yeah. I mean, I like a little bit of crinkle, but there's a difference between a little bit of crinkle and like big lines going we, down yeah. from like the we bust. Talk about this a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, just like steam the, the nice, dress. Like, is the hand washed and hand hung wrinkle versus the I've been sitting in a box for the last two weeks on a cargo ship wrinkle. I will also say my favorite thing, my favorite trick would be that you always have to steam the pockets of pieces. Um, so you have to go inside of like the dress or whatever to steam them because it will lay so much flatter against the hip. Generally, that's where your pockets are located. And not that having wonderful large hips is not a good thing. It's just generally it helps the garment lay correctly. So that would be my hot tip is steam the pockets and also steam the hem um, because your hem looks all crazy. It looks like you don't care. So pockets and hems. I know. I tend to go a little more on the crinkle side than Elise. Elise likes things very like straight. And I like a little bit of crinkle. I've got like a little crinkle, but I think that if the crinkles are too big, they just look like you just like rolled out of bed. Yeah, I get that. I also yeah. like my wrinkles, but I don't like my long lines down the center yeah. of my dress. I mean, but you can just go on Amazon and just buy like a little, okay, or maybe not Amazon, don't some other Amazon. <laughs> some other business and buy like a little travel steamer and it's magical. And you can even use that for your photo shoots. Like, yeah, you'll be running and refilling it all the time. It just, it makes such a difference in the production level if it's steamed or not. I this think. is also like a really simple thing too is take out the tags of garments oh, yeah. when you're shooting them because otherwise the hang tags the hang tags because you don't want to see the that brand in tags. The yeah yeah no don't take out the brand tags <laughs> take out the hang tags if you're like getting button them up all the way like don't forget to like button at the back of the neck if there's a button at the back of the neck oh yeah don't like, forget to let that give a good once over and make sure everything looks good and make sure you shoot it as naturally as possible so if it's got sleeves make sure you see it like with the sleeves rolled down like don't only shoot with the sleeves rolled up because then when it gets there the customer will be like wait what like this wait, what? I thought my and so i think just like making sure that you shoot some like really maybe they won't be as fun or as pretty or as stylish but just some like authentic like this is literally what you're getting shot so yeah. i think always having like the good authentic maybe boring picture painfully honest about what you're getting is good you, <laughs> you make it sound like what you're getting isn't good it's terrible <laughs> well i mean i don't think there's anything that like i mean there are very few things i think in this world that you get out of the box that are just so freaking amazing i think that everything you know personal preference but make sure that you kind of hit as many people's personal preferences as possible other things you might want to have on hand if you're shooting people and models is just have a couple pairs of shoes around that will fit your model that mm. won't always be the shoes that you're trying to sell. We generally don't try to model the shoes that we're selling with the garments because shoes can get damaged on the sole so quickly. So just having a lot of different shoe yeah. options model or maybe you just want to have like one pair of shoes and like you know maybe you just want to have them on hand in like an eight nine and a ten and eleven or something mm-hmm. to, or maybe there's just one or two people you work with and they'll bring their own shoes other things you want to think about Slips. and 
slips is things that maybe are a little TMI, like a, a variety of skin tone undergarments or have the model bring skin tone undergarments. Cause nothing, again, sorry if this is too much information, but like no one really wants to see like a bra line in the middle of a very sheer dress or things like that. Or the other thing I've seen people use if shoes are too big is they'll shove foam in mm. the front of high heels so that the model like can tissue. still wear them or tissues or things like that. Mm-hmm. We don't really do any makeup or anything or that. I can't really comment on that at all. I'm trying to think of other tools of the trade, like furniture or props, hair flowers, pins. hairpins, putting yeah. flowers in hair, fruit, nice random things to hold that you might find. We have an antique store across the street. So we used to borrow some stuff from them, which was fun. They're not around as much anymore. Back when the store was open, just practicing, practicing all of these things over and over and over again, and you'll get better. And then you look at the things you did like eight years ago and you're like, wow, I've come a long way since then. Yeah. But I will say, I also recommend not starting to shoot on yourself first because that is just a whole other light. You mean don't model and shoot, like don't do self-portrait. You can also get a remote, which is fun. I would say try and work with a model, even not a professional model, like call your sister, your friend, your neighbor, whoever. And even if it's just for practice and you're going to end up ultimately being your own model, understanding everything first, not trying to model and shoot because that just gets very complicated. I know I Um, haven't used the remote setting before. I don't. Really? I haven't either. I used to be very big in blogging in 2000 eight and nine yeah <laughs> like Tavi Jensen era Jensen oh, Jensen yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think that you don't have other than like your camera or whether you're renting you're buying your camera that's the most expensive thing I think that you'll have as your first expense other things you can kind of play with like Elise said you can get a friend to do it when you're learning and things like that because when professionally you start to look at all the costs involved it can get very expensive very quickly Mm -hmm. but you can definitely do all of this on a budget and not have to like I don't know I've heard of people like spending twenty thousand dollars on one shoot and I'm just like well that won't pay for the clothes I'm buying to sell yeah (laughs) so well that's also probably that's not just like on the camera that's gonna be on photographer the location the blah 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 blah. a lot of other things yeah you can have to pay location fees too sometimes people can also if it's not your own space yeah people can also be really grumpy if you're out in a public space and you would think oh I'm just in a park or something um Mm -hmm. that you think is public property I got yelled at once in Boston because they asked us to move in because I didn't even think about it I didn't realize it was a thing I just thought this is where a lot of people are it's fine and they were like I'm sorry this these shots are going to include our building so you can't be here so that's so weird I don't know if that's actually legal unless they own the piece of land you were on I think they did and I didn't realize Uh... it it was just this open causeway um it, oh. it was part of this complex in boston and i think i didn't realize that one part that we were on is still technically theirs and i'm like come on come on people be yeah. generous and then be generous. Like, help people know. and they'll help you yeah. so we were just like it's for our portfolio you can always say that <laughs> so i guess just be conscious of what you're doing and don't walk backwards while you're shooting because you could step off the edge of something and into a river or that has street. not happened. Yeah. So I think it's just like being very, very aware of everything, which can be very complicated and kind of hard to handle, but it'll be worth it in the end because you'll be an amazing photographer, even if you only use your cell phone because cell phones are creepy good now. I know. You could do a whole thing on cell phones too. Yeah. 
not better, but different. Different. Yeah. Cheaper. And most people already have them. Great. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to learn. Google, YouTube. I mean, I swear to God, YouTube is where it's at. Maybe I'll link some good YouTube channels for basic. So don't be afraid to ask people. Just, I mean, I guess if you're like, what camera should I get? Don't ask us because we can't tell you. We I know. I, we have, it's so but... funny when people ask questions like that because I'm like, well, I can tell you what I have, but I don't know what you need. So yeah. And like what we have is like probably not the best thing anymore or what you should get because maybe it was the best thing for us at the time. Yeah. So I mean, it's every, again, it's like everyone has different skills. So don't be scared to ask people. Um, I mean, don't be upset if they don't answer you, if they're like, oh, that's proprietary. But I think there's a lot everyone can learn from everyone. We shall share knowledge. And I guess if you have any more specific questions we didn't address, you can send an email to us at info at R-E-N-N-E-S dot U-S or DM the podcast Instagram, which will be tagged below. Because we just kind of generally went over it. If you have any more specific questions that we didn't address, I'm not really sure what that would be. But you can let us know if you have any other topics you want us to address. Please let us know. We'd love to hear what you have to want to know. <laughs> We'd love to hear what you want to know. Or you um, have to know. We have to know what you want to know. Any feedback, I guess, would be good. Yeah. So again, send us an email. Send us a DM to the Instagram podcast so it doesn't get... Nope, Instagram podcast. Podcast Instagram. So it doesn't get lost. Elisa's just saying all the words at once. <laughs> all the words. I'm staring at them all on my screen right now. Like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. Also, yeah. if you have anyone you want us to interview in this age of Corona, we would love to hear. Or if you want to be interviewed and you're doing something interesting and are part of a small brand, let us know and maybe we can work something out. Yeah, because this call-in feature is great. You just need yeah. a place to talk into, like a computer and headphones. And Well, for anyone other than you, it has to be a cell phone. But So if you have a cell phone and some headphones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you have cell phone and headphones, we can talk to you. Yeah, so anyone you want us to reach out to to talk to, if you want to talk to us, if you want any topics addressed, uh, we'd love to hear from you <laughs> generally. So just yeah. let us know. Great. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening. And uh, uh, yeah, we'll chat you next time. Chat you next time. Bye. Okay. Bye.